Hope is here, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Again, welcome. It's good to see each of you uh, here this morning. We're going to be uh, uh, partaking in communion and the Lord's Supper together um, a little bit later in the, uh, during the message time this morning. So if you've joined us online today, um, and if you'd like to do that with us, um, uh, feel free to uh, go and uh, uh, grab um, uh, maybe some crackers or uh, some bread uh, and some juice um, there so you can uh, partake in communion with us um, uh, right there in your home. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, we're going to read together verses 1 through 11. 1 through 11, or on your uh, phone or your uh, tablet, whatever you have to uh, read that together uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation uh, this morning. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we read this. This is one of um, the Gospels' uh, readings for uh, the triumphal entry for Palm Sunday. It's uh, found in all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the Gospels. Uh, this particular one in Matthew is the only one that mentions uh, the donkey and a colt. Um, all the other ones are just a single uh, animal, a single donkey. So uh, that's just, a, if you've ever, ever any uh, trivial pursuit or you calling in for that answer, there you go. Uh, Matthew 20, Matthew is the only writer that wrote about two uh, there. All right, so Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. And he said, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt. And he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in heavens, in highest heaven! The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. You may be seated. Who is this? What a great question the crowds asked. Who is this? 
We could talk about a lot of, and I could give you a lot of answers to that question this morning. I'm going to give you three of them today as we walk uh, together uh, through this passage. Who is this? In 1973, how many of you were, maybe I shouldn't even ask that, but uh, I was going to say, how many of you were even born then? There's some people that weren't even born in 1973, but yeah, some of us were, were born. 1973, I was in uh, barely in elementary school at that time, I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, but in 73, in Cadillac, Michigan, where I grew up, uh, there was uh, that year, the Cadillac Vikings football team finished undefeated. I don't know if any of you knew that, um, that, uh, that, that even paid attention to high school football back then. Uh, but they had a perfect record of 9-0. and oh. I don't remember it at all. I was too young to remember. But I remember that um, when the next season in 1974 started, they were, they were anticipating another great season. I mean, they had just come off of being undefeated the year before. Well, what happened, though, is that they lost their first two games, the Calat Vikings. They thought, what is going on? I mean, this, this team, they, they had a lot of the same players that, that uh, played the year before. They're very talented, but something had happened. And so the coach for the Calat Vikings uh, told the assistant coach, who, by the way, the, his name, the assistant coach's name was Jim Neff. I had him as a, a teacher in high school uh, much later on, uh, but so I know Jim Neff. Jim Neff actually was asked to do something to get the team going, get this team excited about winning again. So he thought, what can I do to get them excited about football, excited about winning again? And so what he did is he started playing rock music uh, before they would uh, go into their practices, before they would go into their games. And he, uh, he found one particular rising rock group at that time um, and started playing some of their music to get the players um, excited. And that particular group, and I hope that none of you know this group, but a lot of you that raise their hands probably do, um, the group's name was KISS. KISS actually came to Cadillac. Um, he started playing the music, and they started winning games, and, and they, this group found out about this and about their music being played that they said, we've got to come, we've got to go to Cadillac. I mean, they were just a kind of up and rising group at that time, not very popular, uh, and, but they decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to find out what's going on. They're playing our music. And so in 1974, the team started winning games, KISS, came to Cadillac, and they were actually featured in a homecoming, uh, in the homecoming dance at a concert uh, for the students. Um, I mean, these guys were so young. If you, um, uh, there's um, one, of the, one of the musicians for KISS actually wrote about this in, in a book that he wrote. Uh, so, this is, so this is something that the guy is on this group, I don't even know if they play music anymore. They're, they're quite old now, but, uh, but this is something very famous for Cadillac. Uh, when I was a student back when I was in high school, in our high school, there's a plaque, and it's probably still there, actually a plaque that said, had a picture, I think, of, of the group, said uh, Kiss was in Cadillac and, and did this great thing. Well, one of the things that they did 
during that time, they came during the weekend that was homecoming weekend. And they were featured in the homecoming parade. Uh, they went in the, uh, on a float uh, in downtown Cadillac. And I mean, the, the city was, I'm sure, in an uproar. Now, I grew up very conservative. Uh, my parents didn't want anything to do with KISS. Uh, didn't want even to, me to talk about it. But I, I can still remember going by uh, the, the high school as an elementary student, riding in the car thinking, why can't I have any part in this excitement? Um, my mom and dad are so, are so weird. I mean, uh, why, why are they keeping my sister and I from experiencing this great event? Well, now I look back and think I'm glad they didn't <laughs> uh, have us uh, take part in that. But I would say this because it, the city, and, and I've looked back at, and kind of Googled some things and looked at some of the pictures. I mean, downtown Cadillac was, was just roaring with excitement during the homecoming parade because a group, a music group that wasn't even very famous at that time, came and rode on a homecoming float, and, and they were, it was just an exciting time. If Cadillac can get excited because of a music group, we should be so excited about our Savior, Jesus Christ. When we come together and we sing songs like, Shout, Hosanna! Jesus is King! He is risen! It's an exciting time and we need to praise the Lord and, and, and just be excited about those things. And I can just imagine almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus came into Jerusalem that day riding on a donkey and a donkey's colt, whatever that was, um, uh, animal that, that was there, uh, doesn't matter, but, it, but we can picture it today. Jesus riding not on a homecoming float, not being uh, in a homecoming parade, but he was riding into Jerusalem, the very city that later on that week he would be crucified in. And the crowds, people were, were cheering. They had their, their palm branches waving because they knew that a king was coming into town. They had heard that this Messiah was coming. In a lot of ways, it was kind of like Jesus Christ superstar. <laughs> but in a lot of ways, it wasn't. Jesus Christ wasn't really the superstar that day. Because when we read in the Gospels, and we read about this event taking place, Jesus Christ was more like the humble servant. Jesus Christ, humble servant. Jesus didn't come in into the city of Jerusalem riding on a, on a horse as a militant person or a militant uh, commander, almost demanding attention. No, Jesus was a humble servant riding into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. On the donkey's colt. The Life Application Bible commentary says this This was the Sunday of the week that Jesus would be crucified. And the great Passover festival was about to begin. 
Jews came to Jerusalem from all over the Roman world during this week-long celebration to remember the great exodus from Egypt. So this was a big event that happened. Many in the crowds had heard of or seen Jesus and were hoping that he would come to the temple. But Jesus did not come, not as a warring king on a horse or in a chariot, but as a gentle and peaceable king on a donkey's colt, just as Zechariah, we read it in Zechariah 9, 9, as Zechariah had predicted. Jesus, our humble servant, our humble servant. Why is it so important for us to remember Jesus as a humble servant? I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 13 as we answer that. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. We're going to look at together. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Many of you are very familiar with this passage. So this is just a little bit later after his triumphal entry, but this is a great passage to just illustrate for us today how humble Jesus was and what a great example it is for us to be humble as well. And John wrote, it was just before the Passover feast happened, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was served there, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Well then, Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. So when he had finished washing all their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he asked them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your teacher and your Lord, have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is his master, or nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus said there, 
I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. We're not going to have a foot washing ceremony today. Uh, I know some churches practice that, um, some of them on a regular basis, but I want us just to think about that, to imagine that this, this morning. Jesus washing the disciples' feet, getting a towel, taking on the form of a servant, actually performing the servant's role there for those disciples, washing their feet. He did that out of humility, being a humble servant. That's our Jesus. Think about Matthew 11, chapter chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 with me. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he said, Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and what? Humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I like how the message translation translates that for us. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. One of the newer translations, the Passion Translation, translates it like this. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Jesus, our humble servant, our humble servant, set the example for us, wants us to come, join him, be with him, find rest in him today. As we live our life on a day-to-day basis, I encourage you to look for ways that you can be a humble servant like Jesus. That means serving one another in love for the glory of God without expecting anything in return. That's hard to do sometimes. Serve that cup of water. Serve a meal without expecting to get anything in return. Give a compliment. Whatever it is that you sense that God wants you to do throughout this week, do that without expecting anything in return, being a humble servant like Jesus. I also see in the Gospels that Jesus Christ was a willing sacrifice. He was our willing sacrifice. Now, if you knew, and if I knew that I was going to go through a torturous, horrific death in just a few days, I don't know if I'd decide to go riding into town 
into the town that I was going to be crucified in. I mean, I think I would find some other things and some other ways to spend my last few days on earth. But Jesus, but Jesus knew he was going to be the Lamb of God, the living sacrifice for our sins. Jesus knew it wasn't about his comfort. It wasn't about just living it up before he died. He continued to follow the will of the Father and to fulfill his purposes for coming to this world the entire time he was here on this earth. Jesus became the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He was willing to suffer and die for each one of us. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it says, He, meaning Jesus, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the entire, the whole world. The King James Version says it like this, He is the propitiation That's a big word, isn't it? Propitiation for our sins, meaning He is the substitute. He took our place, our place for for that sacrifice. I'm thankful today that He was willing to do that. That He was a humble servant, but He was also the willing sacrifice for us. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, we read there, it says, Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood because we know the end, don't we? It's what we're going to be celebrating next week in a greater way, the resurrection of Jesus. But Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood now in heaven. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He already sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. The living sacrifice. So thankful that today that Jesus boggles my mind, but Jesus is somehow interceding for us to the Father on our behalf because He already paved the way. He already laid His life down on that cross. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be cleansed from all unrighteousness And so that we could experience eternal life in Him. 1 Peter 1, verses 18-20 through says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but it was with the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And one more passage, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, 
he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, it's not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of blood and of goats and, and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and of bulls and of the ashes of the heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctified them so that they are outwardly clean. But how much more then will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness, cleanse our consciousnesses from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Think about these verses that I just read to you and these verses from Peter and Hebrews. Think about that as we think about what Jesus said to the disciples the day that he broke bread and he took the cup. When he took that bread and he gave thanks and he broke it, it says in Matthew 26, 28, that he gave it to his disciples. He gave it, and he said, take and eat. This is my body. Think about that. He gave himself. The living sacrifice. As we take communion together this morning, I want you to think about how Jesus gave himself. Just like he was giving himself. He was giving him uh, that, on that, uh, that time when they had that supper together giving him that bread to represent his body. And then he said, and actually that was in verse 26, in verse 28 to Matthew 26, he said he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he offered it. He offered the cup to them, saying, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is important for us to remember this giving and offering of this communion because it is the, both of those words in this passage in Matthew gave and offered come from the same Greek word didome, didome, and it means to give something to someone, to bestow a gift, to supply or to finish the necessary or necessary things, to give over to one's care or to entrust or commit something to be administered. Or to give or commit to someone something to be religiously observed. So this, that day when Jesus was having supper with the disciples, and, and even as we celebrate and, and do this together, and commemorate and remember what Jesus did on that day, it is time for us to remember that it is all about Jesus giving and offering committing these things to us so that we can also go away from here this morning giving and offering Jesus to others. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read part of this passage to us together and then we're going to uh, take communion together. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Verses 5 through 11. Your attitude. 
my attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus. That's why I said when he gave, when he offered himself, we also need to do that. Give and offer ourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Remember the humble servant. Made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.